Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. My name is Benson Fetcher, and I'll be the host of your show today. Jared is set to join us a little bit later on in the episode, but I will be here either way. As always, thank you for getting up with us on a very early morning, 6 a.m. on the East Coast. I don't know how many West Coast listeners we're getting out there. But thank you for joining us live in the archives. However you're doing it, we're happy you're here at Bucko Booth. We have a very exciting episode to get to. Just want to make a brief announcement before the episode today. Obviously, this week in Pirates Baseball, Steve Blast announced that this will be his last season uh, in the broadcast booth, he will, he will remain a brand ambassador for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2020. But 2019 will be his last full-time season. He does the home uh, broadcast games. He's a color guy, which is radio, TV. Steve Blass is 60th year. Thank you for everything, Steve Blass. We are going to miss you dearly. There is no doubting that. Uh, and we're we're, we're going to get a World Series for you this year, Steve, so don't you worry about that. Right, I want to head to the, a mailbag question real quick from a Daily Sports Source. Will Archer have a good year? Yes, our, our, our Chris Archer will have a very good year, and here's why. September, Archer was fantastic. He was the guy that we gave up Meadows, Glassnow, and Boz for. August, he wasn't, but September he was, and September was when he didn't – he didn't shake off Francisco Cervelli. He went out of the stretch, and he started to listen to Ray Searage. He's going to have a full season of that in 2019. Chris Archer's going to get back to the pitcher he was with Tampa a couple years ago, and he's going to make this rotation one of the most formidable rotations in baseball with Tyan Williams himself, Musgrove, and uh, <clears throat> that fifth rotation spot, whoever it becomes. But short answer, yes. Chris Archer will have a dominant, and just a segue into some starting pitching discussions. According to reports, the New York Yankees are close to trading a starting pitcher. Could the Pittsburgh Pirates be a part of the sweepstakes? With less than a month to go until pitchers and catchers report to Bradenton, the Pittsburgh Pirates are still in search of a fifth starting pitcher. Jordan Lyles is an option, but he's best served pitching in relief. The team could use an opener as well. But they would be better off with a true fifth starting pitcher. A report surfaced on Thursday that the New York Yankees could be close to trading starting pitcher Sonny Gray. Also, according to Heyman, the Yankees are working hard to move Gray. The Bronx Bombers have appeared motivated to trade Gray since the offseason began, and that trade may come soon. Heyman also said on Twitter that many of the teams once believed to be in on Gray are not among those still pursuing the righty. The A's, Brewers, Braves, Mariners, Padres, and Reds are among these teams. So could the Pirates be a member of the Gray sweepstakes? Gray would appear to fit the Pirate reclamation mold. Away from the hitter-friendly Yankee Stadium in 2018, Gray posted a 3.17 ERA, 26.4% strikeout rate, 
7.4% walk rate and a 3.27 FIP. This was in contrast to a 6.98 ERA, 15.7% strikeout rate, 12.2% walk rate, and a 5.10 FIP at home. The 29-year-old Gray is also a heavy ground ball pitcher. His lifetime ground ball rate in six MLB seasons is 53.3%, which is above league average. Ground ball rate is something that Neil Huntington, Ray Searge, and the Pirates brass have always valued. The fact there appears to be a mystery team, possibly multiple, in on Gray could also indicate that the Pirates are a factor. Few teams in baseball are better at keeping the moves they are looking to make under wraps than the Pirates are. So the Pirates being a mystery team should never surprise anyone. And the Pittsburgh Pirates are one of the teams, are they, one of the teams in the Sunday Gray sweepstakes? It would not be a surprise if they were. The Gray situation could be one worth keeping an eye on for Pirates fans as this weekend unfolds. Look, we, we, we tend to be a mystery team in a lot of these sweepstakes. And if we look at the Sunday Gray sweepstakes, we ask the question, would it make sense? Is it better than what we currently have? And what is the value we'd have to give up to acquire Sunny Gray? So let's answer the first question. Is Sonny Gray, would he be valuable in the Pittsburgh Pirates rotation? Would he be better than Jordan Lyles? I believe the answer to that question is yes. While Jordan Lyles may have had a better overall season last year uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers, Sonny Gray has a better track record, and if we can pull him out of Yankee Stadium into PNC Park into Ray Search in his reclamation mode, uh, per se, Sonny Gray can get back to the dominant starting pitcher he was to the Oakland Athletics when he was receiving Cy Young votes. When Sonny Gray was with a small market in a you know relatively neutral stadium like uh, the Coliseum out there in Oakland, Sonny Gray thrived. Fantasy Park is definitely a neutral to pitcher-friendly stadium. You put Sonny Gray in there uh, with Ray Searage, He's going to get back to the mold that he that he was. But then the question is, are the Pirates really in on him? What is the whole deal with the mystery team? You know, we're not in the list of the supposed teams in on him. But again, there are reports that there are mystery teams. And I've said this, and I'm going to continue to say this. There's a reason why, you know, there's not many Pirates rumors. Not many – because we keep all our moves under the wraps. We don't go out there – Neil Huntington doesn't leak his information. He does not. He doesn't give it to anybody. So everything is pretty much under wraps. And if there's any rumor, any report about anything, you know it's substantiated, such as the Alex Verdugo rumors from last week, such as the Con San Francisco Cervelli trade rumors. Those that are circulating, you know they're pretty true because the Pirates don't let stuff get out there. But when they do, it's it's most likely true. So the you may be wondering, why are we talking about Sandy Gray if we're technically not in on him? Because I believe that we are, you know? I believe that the Pittsburgh Pirates are in on Sandy Gray and that we could realistically acquire him, and I don't think it would cost us all that much. Now, if you know the Pirates and you know their trade history, you know we have a long history of trading with the New York Yankees. This would also make sense for a trade because the two, Cashman and Huntington, have experience together. You know, whether it be A.J. Burnett trade, the Russell Martin trade, the Francisco Cervelli trade, teams 
have hooked up many a time. They almost hooked up last offseason, trade Garrett Cole for Miguel Andujar and Clint Frazier. What a package that would have been. So don't think that we're out of it just because we're not a reported team. There are reported mystery teams, and I strongly believe we're one of them. Now, what would it take to get Sunday Gray? What would the Pirates have to give up? It's a good question. And it definitely wouldn't be one of their top-tier prospects, such as, you know, the Kellers, the Tuckers, Swaggerty, Brian Hayes, O'Neill Cruz. Those guys wouldn't be in a package for Sonny Gray. You know, he, in all honesty, had a terrible season last year, and the Yankees don't expect to get much from him. Yes, they could drive up his price because there are a lot of teams reportedly in on him, but... I still believe the Pirates could get him for a decent price. Now, what would that price be? Would you rather give up a player such as Jose Ozuna or a lower-level minor league player who's going to be up in a little while, such as Calvin Mitchell? It's a question of who you want to center the package around, a Jose Ozuna-type player or a Calvin Mitchell-type player. I think either one of those packages will work, and I'd be fine with either one of them. And... Sonny Gray would obviously bring huge value to the rotation, and if he is the picture that he was in Oakland, I mean, this rotation just gets that much better. Uh, Daily Sports Source asked in our mailbag, is Archer going to have a good year? He's going to have a great year, and if you add a dominant Sonny Gray into that rotation as well, just picture this, the rotation of Tyon, Williams, Archer, Musgrove, and Gray. I'm just going to step away there. That's the best rotation in baseball. You... You can throw that rotation against any rotation on any given day and feel comfortable about, hey, you're going to go out there and you're going to get a win. Your team is going to win that day. The Pirates are going to win on that day with that starting pitcher. That's how you're going to feel every single day of the week. With Jordan Lyles on the fifth day, might be iffy. But with Sonny Gray, and if he can prove that he can get back to form, it would be amazing. At the end of the day, the Pirates are the mystery team, in my opinion, for Sonny Gray, and they will acquire him. This is going to be a big weekend in Pirates baseball, so get ready for that. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the shortstop position and uh, a little bit with that. The Pittsburgh Pirates still have one glaring hole to fill this offseason. Could it be filled by a player who was rumored earlier this offseason? Entering the offseason, the Pittsburgh Pirates had two glaring holes to fill a temporary slash fourth outfielder, and a shortstop. So far, the team has acquired their new outfielder in Lonnie Chisnall. They gave a one-year deal for $2.75 million with incentives based on plate appearances. The next move that was to be made was the acquisition of a shortstop. Here, the Pittsburgh Pirates are almost a month from pitchers and catchers reporting, and they still have not addressed the shortstop position. The big get that many fans were hoping for was a former all-star by the name of Troy Tulowitzki. Tulo is sought after by many teams due to his cheap contract situation. It made perfect sense for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They could give him a chance to start every day, and the team would not have to pay him more than the league minimum. Unfortunately, Tulowitzki decided to sign with the Yankees. So now what? Well, during the winter meetings, it was reported by several people that the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Pittsburgh Pirates had discussions about gold glove shortstop Nick Ahmed. Other than Ahmed, the only other rumor that has floated around is possible interest 
and the former Philadelphia and San Diego shortstop, Freddie Galvis. However, could Arizona's recent actions suggest that they will be more willing to move Nick Ahmed? The Diamondbacks have signed a lot of infielders this offseason. So far, they brought back utility infielder Eduardo Escobar, who is experienced at short, signed another utility infielder in Wilmer Flores, then last night made a deal for infielder Tim LaCastro. LaCastro is an MLB-ready infielder who has played mostly at second base and shortstop. So, essentially, the Diamondbacks have multiple players who can play shortstop now in Escobar, LaCastro, and Cattell Marte, who played 28 games at shortstop last season. With all the additions of infielders, it seems like the Diamondbacks could be setting themselves up to trade one away like Nick Ahmed. The Pittsburgh Pirates need to fill their shortstop spot by opening day. Ahmed is not the impact shortstop that many fans would hope to get. However, he did hit 16 home runs last year and won the National League Gold Glove Award. He would bring a big upgrade in the field and may bring a little more offense than his predecessor. Hopefully, there's momentum towards a deal sooner rather than later. I just want to predicate this with there are no you know, substantiated rumors that have come up since during the winter meetings regarding Nick Ahmed and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Multiple people reported that the Pirates and the Diamondbacks had extensive trade discussions regarding Ahmed during the winter meetings. There really hasn't been any steam since then. But, you know, with the Diamondbacks making the move of recently signing Wilmer Flores and trading for Tim LaCastro, along with re-signing Eduardo Escobar, they have a logjam in the infield. Cattell Marte can also play that shortstop position. You have four guys in Marte, Escobar, Flores, and LaCastro who can all play the shortstop position. As we know, the Diamondbacks are entering into a rebuild mode. You know, their GM says they're not, but let's be honest, they are. They just turned away Paul Goldschmidt. They're really not in a position to compete after losing Patrick Corbin. Most likely will lose A.J. Pollock. They didn't get a huge return for Goldschmidt. They only got Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, and we know we know a lot about those two cats. And uh, Luke Weaver isn't that good. Carson Kelly's not that good. I will say this: Andy Young, the young second base prospect they got, is decent. But besides that, uh, the Cardinals really won the Goldschmidt trade. They're rebuilding, okay, and they're they're trying to fake it like they're not. They're, they're like they're like the Cavaliers, who say after they lose LeBron James, you know we're going to compete this year. And then go out and lay an egg. That's what that's what the Diamondbacks are going to be this year. Sans Paul Goldschmidt. And that leads everything to – they think they're not rebuilding, which is, may lead to the possibility of the Pirates not acquiring Nick Ahmed. Now let me go back to my very clear – I've said this about every single off-season episode thus far. You know, dating back to October at this point, when we were discussing if Jordy Mercer was the best fit to bring back, obviously. He went to the Detroit Tigers, so we need to find a shortstop, or else we're going to be forced to go with the Newman-Gonzalez duo at the shortstop position. So, if you recall, I've been very clear to this whole offseason, the two players that I want to get, number one, Jose Iglesias, and number two, Gio Gonzalez. Now, I would be perfectly fine if it ended up being an Ahmed Gray duo rather than an Iglesias-Gonzalez duo. I mean, Iglesias and Gonzalez are one two on my wish list, but that doesn't mean I'd, I'm going to go outside of pitchforks if that's not what happens if we decide to go the Ahmed Gray route and 
go after some trade rather than some free agent signings. And we really wouldn't have to give up that much for Nick Gomet. And I was discussing this with some, you know, Diamondbacks fans. You know, we had the Diamondbacks podcast. I was on the network here last night. <clears throat> and, you know, what would a potential trade look like for Nick Gomet? And they don't think that they're going to trade him. You know, and that could definitely be a possibility. But I honestly think we could just straight up give him, like, a Kevin Newman for Nick Gomet. And they're thinking, why, why would the Diamondbacks accept that offer? Well, you give them Kevin Newman, they get a young first-round pick who we described in the show back, I believe, in the summer, uh, that he could be like a Matt Duffy-type player at, at his peak. So, you know, we give the Diamondbacks pretty much a Matt Duffy for a Nick Ahmed, a gold glove shortstop who had 16 home runs last season. Now, that's not Manny Machado, okay? And we all want Manny Machado here in Pittsburgh, but Nick Ahmed is still pretty good. He won the gold glove last year, you know, with the ground ball, heavy, Ray Sears-type pitching coach that he is, it would definitely be wise to get a good shortstop like Nick Ahmed. Jordan Mercer's defense was steady, but it was declining last season, uh, and really for the past couple seasons. So bringing in a goal shortstop would definitely bolster an infield defense that really needs help. You know, that's why we acquired a Danny Echevarria on a waiver trade and had him for a couple of weeks here in Pittsburgh last year was because we needed an improved infield defense. Palmeran doesn't have much range, and if you put in Jung Ho Gong there, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, at this point, you have Newman and Gonzalez, who are decent, decent gloves. Adam Frazier has struggled in the past, but I believe will improve with time at second base, and Josh Bell is a converted first baseman, so, and he can't throw the ball. So the infield defense was rough, <coughs> Ooh, was rough last year, so that's why it'd be a wise position to bring in a guy like Nick Ahmed. Because I, I, I've said this, and the reason why there are so many rumors floating around is because I don't believe. Here's the case. Here's the case. If we don't bring in anybody, then that means Neil Huntington and company have complete trust in either Newman or Gonzalez. Or they just believe Cole Tucker is going to be ready sooner rather than later. Because Kevin Newman really didn't show us all that much back when he came up in late August uh, through September. You know, he settled down. He got a little bit better as uh, as his little campaign went on. But uh, Eric Gonzalez is an interesting fit there, too. Eric Gonzalez, in my opinion, is a young Danny Echevarria. He has an excellent glove, and, you know, he can hit enough to maybe be a starter, given an opportunity. I don't know how anything believes in them strongly, or he – believes that Cole Tucker will be ready similar to the time that Mitch Keller will be ready. But Cole Tucker didn't even make it to the AAA level last year. So that that's going to be interesting to see what happens with that development because I believe that one of the three shortstops that we have right now, you know, at different levels in the system, Kevin Newman, Cole Tucker, and O'Neill Cruz, one of them are going to hit. One of them are going to be studs. I just don't know which one yet. It would be nice if Kevin Newman is the one so we don't have to wait until, say, O'Neal Cruz gets here, but at the end of the day, one of those three are going to hit. It's bound to happen, and if if they don't hit, then woe to me and woe to us. At the end of the day, though, the Pirates got to go out there, and they got to acquire Nick Ahmed to be the shortstop. Either they do that, or they go out and get us Jose Iglesias. We have to address the shortstop position. We cannot go in to spring training into this regular season Banking on the duo of Newman and Gonzalez because the Pirates really don't have a margin for error this season. 
And they're in a very competitive NL Central that only got better. Brewers getting uh, Yasmani Grandal. Cardinals getting Paul Goldschmidt. The Cubs being the Cubs. The Reds acquiring Puig, Kemp, uh, Alex Wood. It's going to be a tough division. It's going to be a fight to the end. We don't have room for error. We don't have a spot in the lineup to give up. Neil Huntington, your move. Get us, Nick Ahmed. All right, I want to talk a little bit about a uh, a player that really hasn't hasn't. Don't know how to explain it. But we're going to be talking about Jose Ozuna. What could 2019 have in store for Jose Ozuna? A week from Saturday, the Pittsburgh Pirates will hold their first full squad workout at Bradenton. With this workout, spring training will be underway for the 2019 edition of the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. Each of the past two seasons, infielder outfielder Jose Ozuna has been the star of spring training for the Pirates. Despite his strong performance in the spring, Ozuna started the 2017 season at AAA Indianapolis. In 2018, he seemed ready to crack the opening day roster, but... When the team decided to carry an extra pitcher to start the season, he found himself back at Indy once again. Ozuna's calling card in the minor leagues was his ability to hit with power. This power is also what caught the attention of the team and fans alike each of the last two years in Bradenton. However, this power is yet to translate to the MLB level. In 338 plate appearances the past two seasons, Ozuna's slugging percentage is just 417. He's gotten on base at just a 263 clip, and his WRC Plus is just 77. It would not be fair to examine Osuna's numbers without pointing out his 255 batting average on balls in play. When a hitter has a BABIP that is far below average 300, then odds are they have been victims of bad luck. Osuna's 30.3% hard contact rate and 89 miles per hour exit rate are both above league average. His 187 ISO is encouraging too. Another issue for Azuna has been the inability to get at bats on a daily basis at the MLB level. Ozuna can play the corner and outfield spots, but there has not been room in the pirate outfield for him at any point in the past two seasons. His defense in the outfield is porous as well. The 26-year-old can play first base, but he is blocked there by Josh Bell. In the last year, Ozuna has worked to learn third base but the Pirates didn't commit to Colin Moran or a bounce back from Jung Ho Gong. So what might 2019 have in store for Ozuna? The opportunity to make the opening day roster out of spring training appears to be there. Elias Diaz and whoever is not starting at third base will take two of the team's five bench spots. After that, things are pretty wide open. With another good showing of Bradenton, it would not be a surprise to see Ozuna finally crack an opening day roster. An important role of being a bench player in the NL is pinch hitting. If Osuna makes the team's roster as a bench player, he needs to improve as a pinch hitter. Osuna owns just a 147 average, a 169 OBP, and a 253 slugging line in his career as a pinch hitter. Also, his 22.1% strikeout rate as a pinch hitter is too high. This is an area where Osuna must improve if he is going to make an impact for the Pirates in 2019. So let's discuss how he can make a bench spot in the upcoming year in 2019, if we look at the bench as well. There are five spots, and two are definitely taken. I personally believe three should be at this point. Let's go ahead and assume that Comrade will be the starting third baseman that leaves Jung-Ho Gong on the bench, right? Then we have Diaz, obviously, backing up 
And then I believe Stallings should also be on that roster. So that leaves two spots left. Two spots. Obviously, when Pollock comes back, she doesn't all be moved to that fourth spot, and then that just leaves one spot left. But for the opening day roster, I personally believe that whoever doesn't start a shortstop is in the current Newman-Gonzalez duo. One of them is going to be on that roster. So let's say Newman starts, I believe Gonzalez then would be on that bench. And there's a battle for that fifth spot left. Let's go to Pablo Reyes. Does it go to Jose Osuna? You know, popular opinion would suggest having to go to Pablo Reyes, and I believe that there's going to be a battle. And in that battle, you're going to have guys like Reyes, Osuna, Kevin Kramer's going to be in the mix there. <clears throat> it's going to be a battle for that fifth spot. And really, the Stallings decision plays a big part in that as well, because if Stallings is not put on the opening day roster and he waivers, you know, he tests the waters there, then obviously you can throw Osuna probably on that opening day roster with con- confidently. And that fifth spot, I believe the battle comes down. I said to those three guys, Reyes, Osuna, and Kramer. And obviously we, we don't know how they're going to perform in spring training, but that's a big helpful indicator for that last bench spot. <clears throat> right. So if, if you look at it as a whole two, once Paul comes back, there's, really, there's not going to be room for any of those guys because the bench is going to consist of Gung, Diaz, Stongs, Gonzalez, and Chisnell. That's going to be the bench. <clears throat> and obviously if, if guys struggle, then you can move guys up and down. But really the only guy that has options in that group is Eric Gonzalez. So Jose Asuna is consistently blocked, and that's a problem. You know, he's been unlucky in the majors. He's shown big signs of huge potential with his power. That's what's excited fans. That's what's excited fans down in Bradenton when he's dominated. You know, Jose Asuna, if you, if you put him on any other roster, would make their opening day roster at the end of the day. You know, we discussed the positions he can play. He can play first base, third base, left field, right field. Now, the buyers decided not to go the route of giving him an opportunity to play right field until Polanco comes back because, as we mentioned, you know, Osuna's outfield defense is porous at best. So we went out and got Justin All, who's a true outfielder who can hold down that spot and be the fourth outfielder upon Polanco's return. He's a more guaranteed, you know, player compared to Jose Osuna as well. Obviously, at first base, he's blocked by Josh Bell, and at third, he's blocked by the duo of Gong and Moran. He's going to be blocked by Brian Hayes when he comes up. So then the question becomes, what, what do you do with Jose Osuna? Because he's, he's being blocked. You know, Corey Dickerson and left as well. And I would not feel comfortable throwing Osuna as a starting left fielder ever. Um, way too spacious. We need our gold glover Dickerson out there. Do you, do you trade him? And that's why I talked about this regarding the Nick Almond situation. If, if you throw, if you center Osuna in a Nick Almond trade, I'd be fine with that because really Osuna is blocked and has no, there's no true route for him. And at first base two, Will Craig is coming up, who I earnestly believe is going to have a better career overall than Vlad Jr. We saw the two, Vlad Jr. and Will Craig, play in the Arizona Fall League with the surprise Saguaros. 
Will Craig had a better season than him. Will Craig is going to have a better career than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And if Vlad Jr. is overhyped, he's going to be a dud, and Will Craig might be a little bit better than that. But Will Craig, is, I believe, he's going to be the real deal. Here's what I say. You have to trade Ozuna. Send him in an Ahmed trade. Maybe even send him in a Sunny Gray trade. But he has to be... He he deserves an opportunity. He, he, he really does. And it's a, it's a good problem the Pirates have having Jose Ozuna. You know, he's a very good, young, talented ball player that really needs his consistent at-bats perform. What will Neil Huntington do, or will he do anything at all? That's a valuable question. All right, I just wanted to make an announcement right here, live at Buck on Bunko Booth. We're going to be live from Pirates Fest. You heard it right here. We're going to be in the parking lot right outside of PNC Park. It's going to be better cold, I believe. Um, but we'll be live at Pirates Fest doing Bucko Booth. Uh, hope to see you there. We're going to be there um, all day. So, Hope that you can come down, join us at Pirates Fest. Let me check the the weather there for this coming Saturday. Uh, oh, no, not that bad. It was 33 degrees, so snow showers possible. Be safe today, though, if you if you're in Pittsburgh. We got that winter storm Harper hitting. I mean, three to six inches of snow late this morning through tomorrow afternoon. The roads will be slippery, so be safe if you're in Pittsburgh right now. The snow is. Is definitely headed toward us, and you you don't want to get caught in that. I know I'm headed downtown here in just about a minute. That's why we did the show a little bit early today. But be safe. Um, we will see you. I hope to see all of you. I want to see a big crowd out there at Pirates Fest, a uh, live edition of Bucket Booth. Uh, we'll have Dunkin' Donuts. We'll have, we'll have some coffee. We'll have everything there. So be there. We want to see you there. Uh, just as a note again, thank you, Steve Blass, for your 60th year coming up. We're going to miss you, buddy. Let's win World Series for you. Um, get get us Gray. Get us Ahmed. Trade us sooner. It'll be a good week. See you uh, at Pirates Fest, everybody. Have a safe, safe Martin Luther King weekend. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.